Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Undiscovered You, a podcast for people who feel like they have so much more to offer, but are somehow stuck where they are. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnston, and this season, we'll be speaking to the dream catchers. These are people who went after their dreams and got them. Today, I'm so excited to be joined by Jane Herlong. Jane's a former Miss South Carolina. She's the author of five books, which have reached the best-selling list on Amazon. She's an internationally renowned public speaker, an amazing singer, and a mom of two. Jane, I'm so excited to have you on the show with us today. Thank you, Kimberly. I'm really excited. Thank you for having me. So a former Miss South Carolina, have we been in pageants since we were two, or is this something that you took up a little bit later in life? I am no honey boo boo, <laughs> <laughs> but that was my guilty passion to watch. It's like, can it get any worse than this? <laughs> well, you know, I tell you, Kimberly, it really started in high school when my peer group would vote me to be like, Miss Freshman, like, yay. <laughs> and then I thought, maybe there's something to this. So I remember watching the Miss America pageant. And the first thing I thought of, and it goes so well with the theme, is everything I want to become, but I'm not. Mm, interesting. <laughs> so yeah, because, you know, everybody, I have a speech called, you can't put high heels on a Holstein cow. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's, the theme is a girl that milked cow in a beauty pageant for her talents. Oh, wow. Yeah, she was passionate. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's really funny. It's true. And the theme of that speech is there are four principles for success in life. One, you have to be a good communicator. Well, let's just call that interview. I learned that in interview. Mm. Uh, you have to have your own sense of style and grace. And that is evening gown. If you want to be successful, you've got to have good energy, and good health. Let's call that swimsuit. That's called <laughs> lifestyle and fitness. And then through life, you realize that you need to move from success to significance. And that is talent. And mm. there is no talent too small. And although I'm a singer, I've seen people perform talents in our church with the gift of helps with their talent of cooking, which I don't have, which is fine with me. But so you see what I'm, what I'm saying is everything I wanted to become, but I was not. So I had to work on that diligently, especially swimsuit. That was a toughie. So you didn't just walk on stage and win queen of freshmen become Miss South Carolina instantaneous <laughs> success. That didn't happen. That did not happen. It was quite the journey. But every time I think about the moment of achieving those landmarks and goals in my life, you know what I think about? Hmm. I think I think about running down the dirt road and having a John Deere 4020 tractor behind me and knowing if I stopped, I was going to get plowed. I think about how hard it was. I think about going to the beauty shop and getting wrapped in gauze and sprayed with this pink stuff like I was, uh, you know, a giant termite trying to get the fat off my thighs. I think about all the crazy things I did to become the person I wanted to become. And I'm still becoming. I'm hmm. never going to stop evolving. I think that's such an important point is you don't ever reach that goal. And I think that's one of the things we've heard a lot from our dream catchers is, well, have I caught my dream? You know, I have a new dream. I've caught one dream, but then I've got the next one. And I love that imagery of uh, running down a dirt road with a John Deere Honda. You just can't stop. You got to keep going. 
That's not going to end well. No, it is not going to end well. I don't want to be in the field like another thing that got plowed. But also, I think, which is interesting, once you cap- capture one dream, it gives you the courage to go after another and another, mm-hmm. bigger and more aggressive. I mean, I'm writing a screenplay on my last book. I don't even know if I told you that, but I got a phone call from or email from United Talent Agency. They're from London. They're in New York and they're in um, LA and they want to know who owns the film rights. Because, and I think the book could be made into an incredible film. So now I'm writing a screenplay. Did, if you had told me you're going to write a screenplay, I'd say, hush your mouth. I am not writing a screenplay. I am writing a screenplay. I mean, why not? And share with our listeners, what's the name of the book that the screenplay is based off of? Sweet Tea Secrets from the Deep Fried South. And Sweet if anybody- Tea Secrets from the Deep Fried South. I love it. <laughs> well, and if anybody has seen the movie, it was incredible. The Help. Yes. I wasn't raised in that kind of environment. It was backwards. Mm. So my screenplay is completely opposite. It's the, the child from the white community, which is me, who is taken up into the black community, who learns so much about faith and family and fighting your fears. It's about not letting people be abusive towards you is getting your own female constitution and plowing through to achieve. I learned all those skills in that community and uh, I'm so proud of that. So it's just going to be the help reversed. (laughs) Amazing. It sounds like it's going to be fantastic. Yes. I think it's very timely too. Totally. And so we're doing, we're doing a screenplay now. We've jumped from Miss South Carolina to screenplay, but there's been a lot in between. So talk to me a little bit about um, kind of growing up. So you grew up in the South. It sounds like I'm hoping if a John Deere was chasing you down a dirt road that you were in some kind of a farming community and this wasn't just, okay, not New York city. So we're somewhere, somewhere in South Carolina growing up. Tell me a little bit about um, how you went from sort of growing up into what you're doing now. So it's so funny, Kimberly, you mentioned that because my very first book, which is a self-published book, was called Bare Feet to High Heels. Oh, you don't have to be a beautiful person to become a beauty queen, mm. you know, so you could just have those beautiful qualities from within. So the journey started when I was reared in a tenant house on Johns Island. My daddy was a 10th grade educated tomato farmer and vegetable farmer. And daddy taught me hard work. That is a great ethic to teach mm-hmm. children. And it, it serves you well through life. My mother was funny. So with the combination to me of a hard work ethic and a sense of humor and just letting things, learning how to let things roll off your back, learning that adversity can be your best friend. If you let it, you dig and try to find the good, the positive, the pure, and let it make an impact in a positive way in your life. Most successful people I know have had some kind of major, and that's the name of my fourth book, Rhinestones on my flip-flops, <laughs> flip-flops in their lives, but they've learned not to flop when life flips. Mm. So I was put into the C-section, and that is not a procedure to have a child, although I did experience that later in life, that um, you know, the underachiever, the poor little thing in the, in, the, in the lowest section of the IQ class, and I saw my IQ one time, and it was very low. And when I finally got into college, which is a whole nother trip of adversity, is uh, I found out that my actual IQ was so low, I would be classified as an EMR, which that term means educable, mentally retarded. And that's how bad it was. But I believe in in my faith, and I'm a Christian, 
And I believe that God can do all things and take ashes from ashes to gold. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I decided I was going to do. And my big, my big takeaway is, okay, teacher, you're telling me that I can't go to college, that I've scored very low on my SAT, my PSAT, the (laughs) D-U-M-B, but I'm going to show you. And then, okay, professor, Dr. Broom, I'm not being ugly. You have to, you have to find some comedy in these things. Uh, Mm -hmm. You gave me an F in writing. You told me I'd never write a book. That was a dream in my heart that I grew. And um, I got to hand him my very first book, not in an ugly way, but to thank him for the challenge of being better at my craft that I had a dream to accomplish. So lots of, lots of flip-flops along the way. And I knew that God had a plan for me. And it was bigger than I ever thought. And we did go through a very difficult time. My mother passed away 13 years ago and we had a family lawsuit. And I kept thinking, what is the deal? God, what do you have for me to do? And all of a sudden I stood up and I became a rock for my mother. And in fact, I wrote a chapter in my book called When Your Ovaries Go South. And and you got to get some strength going in. And this might not be appropriate. You can edit this part out. <laughs> but I went to my gynecologist, I actually went to him yesterday. And I said, oh, Dr. McDonough, you're in my book. But I didn't mention your name like I just did. Yeah. And um, he said, I'm in your book. I could see the look of fear. I said, no, remember you told me I had a growth in my ovary and you didn't know what it was. And I said, oh, but I do. And you looked at me so funny and said, well, what is it, Jane? I said, it's a testicle. I have grown a testy because... <laughs> And I said, and if you get in there and see that it is a testy, you leave it alone because it took a lot of time for me to go from that little sweet little beauty queen to the rock of Gibraltar for my mom (laughs) to protect her assets. So what I'm really saying is as you catch those dreams, you will Mm. find some nightmares in in between. Mm. You, You really will. But you have got to keep focused, keep trying and just let, I believe in my life, let the Lord lead you every step of the way and just see what happens. It can be an amazing thing. And if you don't land on that perfect dream, I guarantee you there's another one that's even better out there that you'll find. I love that. And, and I think that idea of a perfect dream is such an important one to grab as well, because um, I've spoken to another guest recently where we talked about that idea of perfection and that idea of a set goal can actually sometimes lead to failure. You have to keep your goals a bit more open and forget about perfection and recognize that there is a good enough and then make your next goal. Look for the next thing to achieve. But if you're constantly striving for perfection, you're always going to fall short. You really are. You've got to have wiggle room. Um, The old expression is um, shoot for the moon, but you may land on a star and that star will be the best for you, the best journey for you. But the self-discovery along the way is unbelievable. Mm. I mean, when you say to yourself, okay, I'm going to write a book. You're going to write a book. You know, you got an, if that's a little voice, you know, you got an F in writing. And I've been listening to this doctor called Dr. Amen, and uh, he's got a very good, it's a health and he's a psychiatrist, but he talks about self-talk and talks about those things that try to get into our head. And, mm. and then you stop and say, is this true? And then you say to yourself, no, it's not true. And so then you say, it's, it's out. It has, it has been thrown out of my brain. And so I think a lot of people let those demons of the negative talk, whether they heard it in childhood. And I struggle with that too. But, you know, we, we are not born to be negative, fretful, stressful people. That's learned. 
we have to learn how to handle those things. Emotions can handle us and we can handle our emotions. That's so true. And I, I do a lot of executive coaching with people. And one of the things I often tell people is that voice in your head, give it a name and then tell it to shut up. And that, that constant berating of yourself is holding you back. So if you're someone who's stuck and you're listening to this podcast and you have that voice, you know, that voice, you can hear it right now telling you, you're not good enough, telling you you're never going to be able to achieve it saying it's all well and good for her, but what about me? Just name it. And there's, there's a movie where there's a guy who they talk about fear and they say Silencio Bruno. And um, I think it's called Luca. The name of the film's Luca. It's a kid's uh, thing. And the guy, whenever he wants to do something that he's scared to do, he goes, Silencio Bruno, and just goes and does something <laughs> crazy. It's exactly the same thing as just, you know, if you can't, if, you, if you're not creative enough to think of a name, call it Bruno and just scream Silencio Bruno and move on with your life. I think that's <laughs> such great advice. <laughs> I know. I love that because, I mean, even when my children were coming up, speaking of children's things, the, the movie Mulan, mm. uh, she sings a song. And it's when will my reflection show who I am inside? Yeah. And I keep saying, y'all listen to this. Sometimes your, your outside and your inside have to catch up with each other and it might take you years, but it yeah. can happen. Yeah. So that's how I, that's how I look at that. But just give me a good chance. I like a challenge. Mm. I like a challenge. And mm. I think if you want to find out what else you can do and the best four letter word in the English language is next next <laughs> what's next for me i love that and and i love that whole idea about adversity as well as so you talked about challenge and you've talked about adversity and i think a lot of times people when they're pursuing a dream will come up against that major challenge or that major adversity and it seems to me like the people that are the dream catchers are the ones who push through and the ones who go to the next the ones that find the way around and the people that don't, the people that either stay on the safe path or choose to do something other than follow that dream are the ones who hit that adversity or they hit that challenge. And it's such a block to them that they just don't go over it, around it, break it, grab a sledgehammer, whatever. They just, they go on an easier path. And I think that That's to right. me has been the big difference between those who are the dream catchers and those who are not. I, I absolutely agree with that. And so what you need to do is say to yourself, I'm going to hit it head on. I'm not going to let it win. And I actually quote a proverb and it's God has not given me a spirit of fear, mm. but of love, of power and a sound mind. And I just quote that to myself mm. that fear Zig Ziglar said, F E A R is actually false evidence appearing real. So I love that analogy because a lot of our fears are so unfounded. It's a massive percentage, and I'm not going to quote it, but it's well over 70% or 80% of our fears are totally unfounded. And that's something that we need to think about when it starts to creep in. And, and a lot of people really have to have struggled with that. And I am not above, I've been to a counselor when, especially when we had all the family stuff going on, because I want to be healthy through the adversity. I mean, just locally the other night, uh, we, there's a family that's been wronged and it's been years and they're still on that hamster wheel, reliving the dream, the nightmare and what happened and the blame. And all that's going to do is keep you on that wheel of misfortune. And people don't want to ride it anymore. 
I mean, I say when your girlfriends, instead of answering the phone, hey, and they say, now what? That should tell you something that you're Mm -hmm. not getting over it and it is winning. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to be invited out to lunch. You're not going to be going on the girlfriend trip because who wants Debbie Downer? So all the, (laughs) all the time has to relive that scenario. And that's something that people need to really think about and be introspective and be honest with themselves. And I think it's important you, you said there that you got counseling and that that is something that people need to not think of as taboo. Counseling Completely. is something that helps you get through those big things. It's not about pull up your pants and get out there and do it. You're fine. That's not good advice for people that are going through a rough time. What is good advice is seek appropriate help, work through the problems and get yourself to a place where that big rock that's in front of you, if that's something from your past that you just cannot deal with, that you're able to bust that up and get through it. That's true. And you said the right thing, Kimberly, the right counselor, because there are Mm. a lot of bad counselors out there. Mm. But the, the whole point of that is, why not find the best version of you? I mean, go and seek that best version that you, it might be buried, just find it. So let's go back to, you were saying that you had in you this desire to write a book that came at some point. Um, What are some other kind of dreams that you maybe have had that you've realized, or maybe that you've had that you didn't realize? Well, I think, um, the year as Miss South Carolina through the Miss America program was a real game changer for me because that threw me into speaking, Mm. whether I liked it or not. Well, dang, I liked it. And here I am moving to tiny town, Johnston, and I'm realizing what am I going to do here? I mean, I had a master. I mean, I, I almost completed my master's, but yet the desire of my heart was to talk to people. And our, my family's had some issues. My brother struggles with drug addiction. And I thought, you know what? I can talk to young people. And it was during the just say no, big, just say no campaign. And I thought, that's what I'll do. So I started speaking in schools and I loved it. And it really helped me understand platform skills, timing, storytelling, and all of that grew to the next level. Uh, After I had children, I realized, you know, I can't be gone all the time. I don't want to be gone all the time. So then I started becoming more tuned into professional associations and speaking for conventions. And I just loved it. And then when people would come up to me, Kimberly, and say, oh, I'm so glad you told that story. You know, that made me laugh, but that's me. And I I tell one about the hokey pokey. And it's so funny because um, this woman came up to Thomas and just reamed him out. So what I'm saying is when I tell a story, I always have a message and a takeaway. And Mm. I was just jaw dropped because my good godly husband, like what, 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 what's wrong? I kept saying, Thomas, what'd you do to her? He said, I don't know. And I said, what do you do to you? She said, heroes. Because she'd had a little glass of courage. <laughs> and so, and I mean, she, she said, let him have it. And Thomas very principled, he apologized. And we walked off and I'm a delayed reaction person. I was like, what just happened? You know, we got back to the room and I'm, I'm reliving it. I'm on that wheel yeah. of, of misfortune and I'm reliving it. I'm so mad. And I'm sending emails to all my girlfriends going, well, you want to believe what happened? And I'm just enjoying my little wheel of misfortune. And by that time, Thomas is high up in bed. And I was so angry. I, and I had worked myself up. I said, is that all you have to say about this? And the next thing I heard out of his mouth was, and I quote, 
is absolutely sound asleep in la la land. And here I am fuming. And I realized that was a bumper sticker moment. What if the hokey pokey is really what it's all about? I said, that's exactly what Thomas did. He put his right foot in, did the right thing. Mm -hmm. And then he shook it off Mm -hmm. and then he turned it around. Mm -hmm. That's what it's all about. He learned a lesson. He taught me a lesson, like, you know, learn how to handle these things, do the hokey pokey, throw it off. Mm. So I get my audience members to stand up and do the hokey pokey. I said, think of something in your life that's made you relive over and over and over. And you get more angry, more angry, do the hokey pokey. I love it. And I like that idea of of the right foot. So doing the right thing. I think that's a really important part of that, that whole (laughs) exercise. (laughs) Well, if you do the wrong thing, you're not going to be able to shake it off and turn it around. You're going to relive it again. Yeah. And you're going to go back and say, I should have done this. I should have done. Forgiveness is the greatest gift you can give because it releases the prisoner. But until you completely release the prisoner, you had no idea the prisoner was you. Mm. That's amazing. And so when things don't work your way, or maybe someone, one of your colleagues uh, gets a, a promotion or gets a perk and you don't and Zig Ziglar said back to him you can have everything you want in life as long as you help enough people get what they want even if it's what you want because mm. the blessings will flow you can't stop it it's the sowing and reaping principle I have to say I've had um, I have recently had one of the most incredible bosses I've ever had and what she taught me was to allow other people to do the good work. And I know that sounds really strange, but a lot of times we're told to delegate. You need more time, delegate. And so you delegate the crap. You delegate the stuff that nobody wants to do. You delegate the mundane tasks. Not a bad thing. Fine. Let other people do it. Let other people develop. But she also said, let go of the good things as well. Let go of the things that you enjoy. Let other people be able to experience that. And what that does is that opens you up to giving you time to get new experiences for someone else to hand that down to you. And I thought it was such an interesting, because you you hold so tight, especially if you're in a working environment and you've been put in charge of some kind of thing. So some kind of a project or, you know, some kind of organization within your organization or, you know, whatever it is, or a president of blob and you hold on to that for so long and your ideas are getting stale because they always will, you know, you're no longer helping others to be able to progress because you're clogging up that hierarchy. And as soon as you're able to let that go, that allows you to move into another space, but it allows somebody else to move up into that space as well. And I just think, I thought it was such a beautiful picture of the benefits, as you say, of how the blessings can flow up and down and they will continue to flow the more that you give away and the more that you forgive and the more that you do the right thing. That's so very true. And that's a lesson that a lot of people do not learn. Yeah. They just clutch those things and they don't understand and they, they lose their way. They lose their vision and their emotions take over and it just plays havoc with their lives. And they just don't have the life skills to even recognize it. I was on the phone last night with a good friend of mine who's taken over my position and I was listening to her ideas and we were brainstorming and I said, I love it. That's awesome. I'm so glad you thought of that. And uh, she was excited and, you know, I'm going to mentor her, but it's her call how she moves forward. Mm-hmm. And um, I was in charge of the Speaker Hall of Fame members last week, and we had our big convention in Nashville. 
And I was just excited to do my thing and then hand the baton over for somebody else to do their thing. Mm. And, and, and our, at our luncheon, I thanked the people that saw that in me to help me be able to do what I did. And then I said, well, my job is to do that for the next person. You, you have to be a philanthropic with your gifts and you have to realize that so much more can be done if you just, like you said, unclog that funnel of giving. If you do that, then you'll be a blessing, not to someone else, but you, you truly are blessing yourself, not even knowing it. Yeah. And I, I think that's so important for, again, if you're stuck and this resonates with you, really look at your life around you and say, what am I holding on to? And what is my ego holding on to? And what am I clutching on to? Because I feel like that's quote unquote, who I am. And that's what my identity sits in. Because a lot of times, you know, when you, you're not willing to give something up, because it's your identity, you know, I often see it with people who have a profession. So if you are an accountant or a lawyer or a doctor, and you actually do not like that profession, but you can't give up that title, you don't want to go into a party and not say, I'm a lawyer, I'm a doctor, I'm an accountant. You know, no one will talk to you if you do say most of those professions. But anyway, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but, you know, you you actually just that's part of your identity. And that's where you're stuck is you can't give that up. So I think that's there's true. there's there's more to it even than even than just the giving. Very, very true. So Miss South Carolina, I assume that means you go on to the Miss America pageant. I did and, and met 50, 49 more people that we all had that kindred spirit. I loved it. It was like, oh my gosh, you get to know people and you realize how much more in common that you have. Instead of keeping to your own lane, if you just reach out, you will find the most amazing discoveries about connections. And that's what life is about is connecting with people. And that's what I found at Miss America and how other people were using their talents and doing, you know, having big dreams for themselves. So that was just the mothership to me of finding more people like me that had dreams and goals and desires. And I picked people's brains. That was just an opportunity. Well, how'd you do that? Mm. Tell me about that. So another part about catching that dream and holding on to it is being teachable. You need to have the security to say, I know me, tell me about you and educate me on how. And so if you want to go to the next level and you feel stuck, listen to the counsel of good people. Find someone who's doing what you want to do and dissect the heck out of them. That doesn't mean copy. It means to emulate and ask questions. It seems like the older we get, it's so frustrating, Kimberly, when I'll see some, I'll, you know, I've got a friend who's a pharmacist mm. and they're not really a friend, but I know somebody's a pharmacist. And, um, He's working at Lowe's because he refused to learn the new system in the pharmaceutical community on this program. Yeah. So he's working at Lowe's and some people like that. And you know what, if you are, and you're comfortable with that, fine. Live your life. Do That's it. your thing. That yeah. is your thing. And I, I mean, I'm not trying to be judgmental about it, but if that were me, I, I go to class. I yeah. go on YouTube. I type in, help me learn this program, you know? So I don't know. It just depends on what your definition of success is. You got to look at yourself 10 years down the road and say, what do I want? Five years. What do I want my life to look like? With you, I guarantee you, I'm an attorney. I, I walk that road. What do I want my life to look like? I want to be with my kids. 
Mm-hmm. It's important for me to be there for them. And so, and that was me too. I wanted to be there for my family. And I, I just, I love so much about that. The territorial thing I think is so important to pull up because it is insecurity at the end of the day, because there is enough room in this world for more authors. There's enough room for more podcasters. There's enough room for more singers. There's enough room for more actors and speakers and lawyers and doctors. There's enough room. And each one of us has our own USP. Each one of us does things in our own way that help other people. And so, you know, when when someone comes up to you and they're territorial or when you are territorial with somebody else, really take a second to just kind of tap into that insecurity. And I love your killing with the niceness, you know, just absolutely just kill them with kindness, be incredibly kind to people, be forgiving, give them grace and don't let it affect you. Because that's the other thing is when someone's territorial like that, you're like, oh, she thinks she's better than me or he thinks he's better than me. And, you know, you can also get on that wheel of misfortune, as you talked about, off the back of your reactions. And often I talk to my, my um, clients about the fact that the only thing that you can control is your reactions and your emotions. You cannot control the actions or emotions of others. It's just how you react to them. And, and here's so, a good life go skill, Kimberly. Yep. When you have that feeling mm. and, and you're so internalized, like, woe is me. Mm. And you feel so overwhelmed. Go outside when it's not 104. Go, out, <laughs> go outside, find a spot in the grass, lie down look up, look at the sky and say to yourself, I'm a molecule. I'm an atom in this big world. Mm. Look at all of this that's above me and, and put it in perspective, put it in perspective. And I, I read that somewhere and um, I love doing that. I will do that. I will just realize I am, I am not the master of this universe. I'm the master of my emotions. And I need to master those emotions if I want to go to the next level and try to find the best version of me. I fully agree with that. And, and I think it's really interesting. I don't know if you've seen the news, but they have been able to discover more of the universe recently and kind of the telescopes are getting further out and they're seeing how expansive it is and how it just doesn't end. And there were some scientific studies done about the possibility of you even existing and they talked about, it's like if you had a grain of sand and you were up in, in a space shuttle and someone had to reach down and grab that specific grain of sand on that specific beach, that's the probability of you even existing in terms of the, the size of the universe. And so just thinking about it from that perspective, a lot of times we make, we make our problems quite, quite big because it is, it's personal to us, it's personal to our lives. But think back to something there was a big deal, an email that you sent where maybe you had a typo in it or a meeting that you went to where you fell flat on your face or, you know, something that happened. And actually, can you even remember who was in the room? Can you remember who the email was to? Can you remember some, some things are so big that they're life correcting, life changing life, you know, life events, but the small events that, that ruin your day because you feel incompetent, you feel like you haven't lived up to your expectations, whatever it is those events, a lot of times you can't even remember them a month later. No. And that's why the word perspective is so huge. Like you said, you have to get it in its proper perspective mm. because you cannot let those things. I was at a conference one time and I was speaking in Texas with this friend of mine named Susie Humphreys. And she is a boy, a, a straight shooting Texas chick. And this woman came up to her and Susie had done this analogy about feeling sorry for yourself for women. And 
And she said, I know some of y'all feel sorry for yourself. So I tell you what you're going to do. Get that old white bathrobe with the grape stains on it. Put it on. And she said, get mascara, not waterproof, the kind that's not. And sit there in bed, cover up daytime and cry. Think about every sad thing that's ever happened to you. And just weep and let that mascara run down your face. Now go to the mirror. Look at yourself. You happy? You see? Now wash your face, take a shower, put on some nice clothes and go eat some Mexican food. That's what she said. <laughs> so this woman was offended and came up to her and said, I don't appreciate that. My husband left me ready 20 years ago for another woman. Mm. And Susie looked at her and said, you know what? I'm going to give you a big challenge. You need to get right now, go to your room, call him and say, I forgive you and hang up. Forgive him. She said, you carrying around 20 years of unforgiveness and it's showing on your face and your attitude. I thought, oh my gosh, Whoa. here we are at a church and she's going to slap her into the pew number eight. <laughs> Do you know that woman the next day? I looked at her face and she was a different person. And she went up to Susie and she said, thank you. I did exactly what you told me to do. And Susie said, how do you feel? She said, like a different person. Hmm. I released that venom and it is gone out of my life. It was incredible. That Amazing. was one of the most poignant things I've ever witnessed. Yeah. Her face was different. Hmm. I mean, so she had a glow about her. Yeah. It was, it was, you know how forgiveness works. Makes no sense, but it you makes do no it sense. for yourself. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Forgive others for your own benefit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, just we, we are, I, I mean, I could literally, I could sit here and talk to you all day, but we are sadly, sadly coming to time. And I have to ask you our two final questions, which we ask each of our guests. So the first question is, Along this route, so you've gone from Miss South Carolina. I, I love the fact that you started speaking in schools. So it wasn't, you know, you're not immediately on a big stage somewhere, you know, head of the National Speakers Association. You start small, you and you hone your craft and you you learn what works and what doesn't. And you learn staging and you learn how to present yourself. And then you move on and you do some different work and it was getting bigger, but you, you reined it back in because you wanted time with the kids. And so even when it starts to explode and the dream gets really big, think about whether the dream is now driving you or whether you're driving the dream and then coming back in and sitting down, being with your kids, readjusting, still doing what you love, but within your parameters, within what you want to do. And I know you've gone off you've written these amazing books. You're doing podcasts. You're now doing a screenplay. You know, I know you're on XM radio, you, you know, you're doing, you're doing so much work now as well. Um, and I just wondered, what have you discovered about yourself along this incredible journey? I think the big aha, yay, you go girl discovery is I'm not afraid to fail. Mm. I am not afraid to fail. I am not afraid when someone uh, I'll call somebody, I cold call all the time. And they'll say, we're not interested. Stop calling me. And I'll say, okay, that's when the next word you go next, mm. you know, I've learned that. And I have learned that, that adversity is something that it can either cripple you or it can empower you. And uh, again, fearlessness. And I know that I have to handle my, the negativity that will creep into my mind. My mother was kind of a warrior. Not like I'm going to war, you know, it was like, I'm worried. 
So that is something I grew up with and I have to fight. And I think the more I discovered the gifts that life has, the more I learned to handle the emotions that will get me there or not get me there. Mm. So I am by no means like a benchmark of, Hey, look at me. My greatest piece of advice would be keep growing, keep learning, keep failing and keep discovering who you are and how to handle the joy and the failure. And I learned last week when I was on, I mean, it was a big deal. I was on stage in, in Nashville um, the Oak Ridge boys who are very iconic. They were getting ready to perform. I worked really hard all year as the chair. And the people that I admire the most, like Dr. Nito Kubain, who's hot president of High Point University, he came up to me and he grabbed my hand. He said, you got it. You know to give other people credit and step back. Mm. And that's what I did all week. And people would say, you were an amazing chair. I didn't listen to that. And that's another life lesson. Do not listen to the press. Do not read the press. Do not good or bad, good or bad, good or bad. <laughs> Do not listen to the press, yep. but listen to those people like Dr. Kubain who affirmed and I respect him and he, he knows and he's very successful. So when he said, you know how to handle, you step back and gave other people their moment. And I did. Mm. And actually not even knowing it gave me a bigger moment, but I wasn't mm. after a bigger moment. I was being grateful. And that's another takeaway. If you want to capture your dream, be thankful, start where you are, look around, say, I'm glad I've got cold water. Oh, good. I'm glad that, that I have a sweet little kitty cat that's in my lap right now, <laughs> trying to bother me the whole time. I'm proud that I have good children. Um, one, I need some work, but you know, we get in there. But I, I, I'm happy that I have a home. I'm happy that right now I have an air conditioner in my home. Yes. So you have to get granular when you start feeling, if you feel sorry for yourself, you really going to struggle to get back. Mm. And I think, I think that's such, such an important point again, is around that gratefulness and taking the time when things are really bad. Um, I have, again, a lot of clients, I have them do a gratitude journal. And I say, you're going to find it hard at the beginning because of where you are. A lot of people that I ask to do it are in a space where they, they need a gratitude journal. I would recommend them for anybody, to be honest. And you write down three things in the morning and three things at night that you're grateful for. And if you have a really hard time thinking of anything, I always give you your first three things are you woke up this morning. That's one. You woke up in a bed. That's two. And you're able to feed yourself. That's three. You know, I mean, simple things I have people, you know, I have a garbage can that I can put my garbage in, you know, I have, um, I have food on the table. I have running water. I have a bed. I have a roof over my head. I have someone in this world that loves me. Even if you're not feeling loved at that moment by whoever it is that's hurting you, there's somebody that loves you, you know, and it's, it's, there's so, there's so much about that gratitude and that, that kind of change in your mindset. And when you were talking about anxieties and fears, one of the things that is, 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 is it recommended to people who are suffering from extreme anxiety, where you, you're crippled by the anxiety, you can't physically move, is to actually write down in the morning everything that you're worried about. So make an entire list of everything that you're worried about, leave it on that piece of paper, go about your day and come back. And at the end of the day, tick off everything that happened. Mm -hmm. And you're lucky if you tick off one. Because mm -hmm. as you said, it's something like 80, 80, to, 80 to 90% of the fears that we have never come to fruition never come to fruition. 
I also want to say not afraid to fail, a great acronym. So fail, first attempt in learning. It's your first attempt in learning anytime you fail. So accept that failure, say next, meet with the adversity, be fearless and do things for others. Forgive. I have learned so much from you today. And I thank you so, so much for coming on the show, Jane. It's been a pleasure. Let me ask you quickly for our listeners, where can they find you if they want to either book you as a speaker? Where can they find your books? What are we looking for? Well, janeherlong.com, H-E-R-L-O-N-G, to get more info. And as far as books, just anywhere where books are sold, Amazon is the big go-to, but my books, you know, Barnes and Noble books are me. It's going to be in Cracker Barrel, yay, next year. Yeah, it's a perfect book for them, I think. It is. So it's a, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful book. Even even just picking it up to look through the pictures and aesthetically, it's it's a great book. It's hysterical, but I and I love the stories in it, but it it's actually just really pretty. So y'all have a cracker barrel in, in uh, England? We do not. We do not have cracker barrel in England. I know <laughs> like I want it. Pub. How about that? <laughs> That's what a we cracker should, pub. Yeah, cracker pub. <laughs> I am desperate for one of those rocking chairs. So if we can find a way to import those rocking chairs to the UK, I think that might be a good, uh, a good investment, <laughs> a good business. They're good. They're very good. Yeah. All right, Jane. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you, Kimberly. I've loved it. God bless. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Please join me next week when I speak to Hollywood producer Antonio Negret about being a dream catcher. If you're looking for an executive coach or want to get in touch, check out my website, kljconsulting.co.uk, or you can send me an email on the Undiscovered You podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow, subscribe, like, and comment below, and I hope you're one step closer to discovering the Undiscovered You. Mm-hmm.